Welcome to Intentional Buck, Season 1, Episode 18. I'm Lou Landers, and you can find me on Twitter at Landers Talks, at my new website, drrodo.com, every Friday night on Sirius XM Sports over Night America Armed Forces Network. Check out drrodo.com, one-stop shop for everything sports betting, daily fantasy sports, and season-long fantasy sports. You can subscribe now. Use promo code RADIO or promo code WIN for a nice discount to the show here today. Joined by my main man, my co-host, it's Mark Mancini, the madman. Mark, how's it going? It's Wednesday morning. Excited to be doing this show with you as always. What do you have going on these days? Talk to me. Talk well, to I'll me. tell you, if it's not XM, it's the uh, KMET. We're going into Philly next uh, month. Uh, Little Liberty Bell smack. A lot of things going on, but I'll tell you one thing. I really, really enjoy this show. I am so proud to be a part of it with you. You're a mentor. You're a brother. You're a friend. And what you're doing with that other thing you got going, man, it's just unbelievable. Must hear a radio show each and every Wednesday, man. Certainly is. We got a doozy for everybody this week. Top five left-handed pitchers of all time. And then, of course, getting into the MLB playoff races around the league. Many of those heating up. But let's start with the pitchers. Left-handed pitchers all time. And I'm going to say this before we even get into the list, Mark. I went purely with a list of players who are no longer active. And I say this because... In my opinion, at least, I know you'll probably disagree because you're a Dodgers hater, but Clayton (laughs) Kershaw would be in my top three or four left-handed pitchers all time. But because he's active, he missed the cut for the purposes of the podcast. But I did want to make sure I gave him a shout out. Well, I'll tell you one thing. You know, I hate those Dodgers, but there's certain guys I like on those Dodgers. They got some gamers. Kershaw's one, Scherzer. You know, I like their manager. He's a player's guy and Dave Roberts. But, yeah, I, I almost had Kershaw on that one, too. He's kind of slipped a little late. And, you know, you know, as he gets older now, we're going to see if he can come even close to, you know, 15 wins a year. But he's a gamer, man. Cy Young Award winner, World Series winner, and, boy, a, a leader in that clubhouse, too. So you got to go uh, with Kershaw. Unfortunately, there's a lot of great left-handers on this list, and I didn't have him as well. Yeah, I left him off because I wanted to talk about guys who are retired and or in the Hall of Fame. But let's start. My number five, Tom Glavin, 2,600 plus strikeouts, a 3.54 career ERA, an 80.7 career war, pitched for 22 seasons from 1987 to 2008, from 19... 88 until 2007, Glavin started no fewer than 25 games in a season, started fewer than 30 just three times. So he was very durable, won two Cy Young Awards, won his first in 91, won seven years later at the age of 32. He was named to 10 All-Star teams, was named the World Series MVP after two great starts combining for a 1.29 ERA in 1995, the one World Series the Braves actually won during that impressive stretch of theirs, making the playoffs every year, getting there. Glavin was a big part of that. He comes in at number five for me, Mark. Well, I'd have the partial, and I'm not going to be too biased on it. Being a Pittsburgh boy, I love John Candelaria at number five. The Candyman at 76, no hit the Dodgers in Pittsburgh. It was Monday Night Baseball. 
And uh, it was just simply amazing, imposing figure, six seven, the Puerto Rican man throwing that baseball. It, it must have felt like a pebble to him. I love John Candelaria, instrumental down the stretch. And it, when you looked in the World Series and everything, the Candy Man, along with Burt Blylevin and some of those guys, man, getting the '79 World Series with the Stargell Stars and beating Baltimore. I had John Candelaria as my number five. Don't know much about him, but uh, definitely read some good things when I was researching for my list, and you speak highly of him too, so can't argue with you with him at number five. Number four for me is Warren Spawn, 2,583 career strikeouts, a 3.09 career ERA, and an 100.1 career war. This guy pitched across three different decades, debuting in 1942, pitched until the mid-60s, at age 25 in 1946, it was actually his first full season, and he pitched until he was 44 years old. And for most of those seasons, Mark, one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, led the league in ERA three times, led in complete games nine times. He has 382 complete games in his career, which is just insane when you think about now. You're lucky if you get three a season from from just in general, but led the league in strikeouts four times, 17-time All-Star, which is the most in MLB history for a pitcher. So Warren Spawn comes in at number four for me. Well, I got number four, Steve Carlton, the lefty he was called. And boy, him and Tim McCarver made quite a, a tandem there. He wasn't a big fan of the media, kind of kept to himself. But boy, this guy, when you think of Philly's lore, and uh, you gotta you gotta have Steve Carlton there, man. Unbelievable, just deceiving, and in 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 more ways than one with his uh, array of pitches. Steve Carlton, as much as I hated the Phillies, he is uh, my number four as far as southpaws go. I like Steve Carlton a lot. Have him on my list, but you'll have to wait until where I have him. Number three for me is Dodger great Sandy Koufax. 2,396 career strikeouts, a 2.76 ERA, 48.9 career war. Six-time All-Star, led the league in ERA five consecutive seasons from 62 to 66. Highest ERA he had in that span was 2.54. Had a sub-2 ERA three of those times, won three Cy Young Awards in that five-year stretch, named National League MVP in 1963, the same season in which he threw 11 complete game shutouts. Yes, 11 complete game shutouts. Looking at the overall resume, three Cy Youngs, an MVP, three World Series, pitching triple crown three times. Number three on my list only because he did not pitch past the age of 30, didn't have the longevity of the other players mentioned before him and the guys all mentioned after him. Really, if he had pitched a full you know, 15 to 20 seasons like a lot of these other guys, he could arguably be number one, Mark. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable. I got a buddy texting me, says, guys, you got to keep this thing going. Next week, you guys need to talk about the five best GMs of all time. That's a good one. That's that's a that's a good one and a difficult one because it really is a matter of opinion. Do you base it on guys who have 
you know, brought World Series to places? Do you base it on guys who've had consistently good teams? Do you base it on guys who have been with lower market teams who don't have the money to spend? I mean, there's so many factors to consider. Um, I would say Theo Epstein has to be up there bringing a World Series to both Boston and Chicago after, oh, yeah. after all those yeah. years. But after that, I'd really have to dive into it and look at so many Well, factors. I'll tell you on my list, and I got to know Theo real well in San Diego when he was a media relations guy, and I know we'll keep this thing going but throwing a tease act i gotta have john sureholds on that list out of atlanta was he the guy in charge during the the early 90s to mid 2000s yes okay well, of course yeah there that was that had, a, that had his fingerprints all over that organization look if you put together a pitching staff with maddox Smoltz, and glavin you're you're uh you're definitely gonna be uh recognized as a top gm it just there's just no other choice. <laughs> exactly. My number three had to be, and I saw him in Pittsburgh when he was with Houston, uh, and, and he struck out 16 Pirates, and the Pirates still figured out a way to beat him. Uh, when they opened that ballpark in uh, Pittsburgh in 2001, and boy, I'll tell you one thing. When I sat in the dugout with him, this guy was an imposing figure, kind of reminded me of John Candelari, and boy, John Cruck hated to face him. I had Randy Johnson as number three, and boy, when you looked at him and Schilling in Arizona to give them a championship, what an imposing one-two. So Randy Johnson, in my book, had to be number three. Randy Johnson is definitely on my list. Coming up soon, not just yet, though. I'm going to finally give you Steve Carlton. You had him, I think, at number four, if I'm not mistaken. For right. me, he's number two. 4,136 strikeouts, a 3-2-2 career ERA, 90 career war. The second most strikeouts for a left-handed pitcher in MLB history. Four Cy Young Awards, two World Series, the pitching triple crown. Had held the ERA title one time and was a 10-time All-Star, even added a gold glove. Led the league in innings pitched five times, led in strikeouts five times, led in complete games three times. Consistency he had pitching over 20 seasons, unmatched in my opinion by any other lefty really on this list. And that's just another reason why I do have him as my number two all-time. The longevity, the consistency, the strikeouts, just everything you could possibly do as a pitcher and want to do as a pitcher, he accomplished. Well, I'll tell you one thing. What I like about this show is I throw the asphalt out there and you bring the steamroller and smooth it out with the facts. That's the great thing about this unbelievable show we do here, man. My number two has to be uh, Tommy Glavin. And I know you had him at number five, I believe. Um, I love Tommy Glavin. Boy, he was unbelievable to them there in Atlanta. And you talked about it earlier with Sherholds and, you know, orchestrating that pitching staff with Bobby Cox. You know, when you looked at Maddox, when you looked at Avery, when you looked at Smoltz, boy, Glavin was something. It's too bad he couldn't do something in New York when he went to the Mets and the Braves couldn't keep him. But Tommy Glavin, man, was just unbelievable with his array of pitches as well as Steve Carlton. Tommy Glavin's my number two. All right. Well, who's your number one? Well, my number one is your guy, uh, you know, in in New York, the Yankees. I'll tell you one thing. I've never seen a guy have an unbelievable season, 25 and three. Louisiana Lightning, Ron Guidry, 
was my number one, man. Uh, about a 5'11", six feet, man, about 185. But this dude brought it, and I'll tell you, you can match them all up. I love Louisiana Lightning, Ron Guidry. Well, I'm glad you brought him up. Obviously, as a Yankees fan, a big fan of his. Never got to see him pitch live, of course, based on when I was born. But read a lot about him, seen a lot of video, talked to many older Yankee fans than myself about him. I saved my number one because you already brought him up as your number three. But it's Randy Johnson. This guy, almost 4,900 career strikeouts. 3.29 career ERA, 101.1 career whip. He won five Cy Young Awards, most ever by a lefty. And all those awards were won at the age of 31 and older, four of which coming in his age 35 to 38 seasons. He won four straight awards, an incredible feat. Only pitcher in MLB history with more strikeouts than the big unit is Nolan Ryan. On top of the five Cy Young Awards, Also accomplished the pitching triple crown, 10-time All-Star, led the league in ERA four times, 2001 World Series MVP. There has been no left-handed pitcher more dominant than Randy Johnson. And to me, he is the undisputed number one left-handed pitcher of all time. Boy, what an unbelievable career. And you saw where I had him on this thing. And boy, these southpaws... uh, unbelievable man they they just brought so much of the game and we can go on and on with some of these other guys even in today's game but man i think we came and compiled a great list of both sides of the coin here we did and i would really love to do left-handed best left-handed relievers because going through some of the top lefties i mean there's a lot of guys um, that really could qualify and doing a top five relievers i mean just out of off the top of my head, uh, with Billy Wagner and John Franco, um, yeah. Aroldis Chapman, maybe. I mean, that's just three off the top of my head. But if we really dive into it, I'm sure we could come up with some good ones. So that will be on a future show for sure. But let's move things along to the MLB playoff races starting in the American League East. And for me, it's a two team race mark the Rays and the Yankees, both the Red Sox and the Jays playing too inconsistent at this point to be able to catch Tampa. They keep falling further and further behind. Yes, the Red Sox beat Texas. Yes, they beat Minnesota. Two last-place teams. Boston has not proven to be able to be a good team in quite some time. You look at the Yankees still playing very shorthanded. Tons of injuries throughout their lineup, rotation, and bullpen. But they've still been the hottest team in baseball despite those injuries. And I think they're going to be very tough to beat the final five to six weeks of the season. Rays have a nice lead for the moment. But the Yankees closed a bigger gap than the four and a half games that it is right now in just a span of two weeks. So anything does remain possible in this AL East. But certainly the Rays division to lose. Well, I look at, you know, the the Rays going to be looking over their shoulder too now. The Yankees are coming in hot 11 in a row. You know what was amazing before that Braves series started? Two teams on nine-game winning streaks. We haven't seen that in over 100 years. I mean, and, and it, what the Yankees did is just shut the Braves down in their backyard, and now they got the Rays in sight. And, and I really think now if you're Tampa, you got to really look over your ball because I don't think Boston's going to give it away here. Even though Boston's holding it down, too, and keeping the A's at bay, I think, you know, and the Mariners are in this thing. Toronto seems to be in this thing. 
so it's going to get really interesting as we get in the last 35 games or so. Can the Yankees chase down Tampa? And I think as hot as they are, you know, if they haven't peaked too soon, they can chase Tampa down. And then Tampa might be in a battle just to try to keep Boston out of the mix. And if, I think if Boston can figure it out, that one game they creamed and, and, and shellacked the, the, the Rays, they got to bring that blueprint out. I think it was 20 to 8 in Beantown. If you can bring that thing out, I know you might not be high on the Red Sox. I like to see the Yankees and Red Sox go down the stretch battling it out to see who wins the division. Oh, that would be exciting for sure. I just don't think the Rays are going to fall hard enough. And again, Boston needs to do a lot of work with that pitching staff. Uh, speaking of that wild card, you brought up Toronto and Seattle and so on and so forth. Definitely bunched up right now. Yankees up top, the only team in the race who actually is playing well, though. Oakland, Boston, Seattle, Toronto, even the Angels all within reach of a spot. But the only teams who have the talent and schedule to get it done, in my opinion, are the Red Sox, Jays, or A's uh, behind the Yankees. They're likely going to be fighting for one spot with the Yankees, or I guess potentially Tampa, if we want to think the Yankees can catch them getting the other spot. Boston and Toronto don't have the pitching. Oakland, though, just a very average team, kind of in every facet of the game. The one thing going for them is they get the Angels in Texas, even Seattle, which, in my opinion, easier than having to get the Jays, the Yankees and the Rays or the Yankees, Rays and the Red Sox. So I do think the Jays and Red Sox have a bit of an advantage um, over Oakland in terms of skill, but strength of schedule might be a problem for them going forward. Well, the Angels are a tough team to figure out. I had them to win the division. Then they went on this road trip, you know, and, and got beat by the Yankees in that one game makeup game. And they rolled three against Detroit. And then I thought, okay, here we go now. You got Cleveland and Baltimore. You're going to get on a big nine-game winning streak. And then they got swept in Cleveland, and they wanted Baltimore to keep the Orioles at 19-game losing streak there. But it's a, it's a tough team to figure out. And, you know, now you look at the Yankees. They're coming out to the West Coast. They got, you know, the Oakland Series, Sunday night baseball, and then they come to Anaheim. And you don't know what team Anaheim is going to present the Yankees, but – you know, it's it's going to be interesting. Them, them cross-country trips take a lot out of you. But if the Yankees come out of this win in about four out of six, you know, I, I, I'm definitely telling you right now, they have a chance to win the division. They do, and it's a really big series with them and Oakland because I think right now the Yankees are two and a half up on Oakland. If the Yankees can take three or four, um, not to say they could put Oakland out of their misery necessarily, but if they can extend that lead to four and a half or five games in that wild card race, they're going to be sitting pretty, I think. Well, and not only that, Oakland kind of reminds me of the Dodgers. They beat up on these Angels, some of these other teams, and they struggle against the Yankees. They struggle against the Bostons. So, well, you know, also, Mark, if you take away their 13-game winning streak in April, they're a very average team. Right. And they vote, you know, and, and look at what they're looking up at. You're looking up at a Houston team that's kind of beat you like a drum. I mean, and, and then in that division, you know, they kind of, you know, separate themselves a little with Seattle and Seattle takes some wins and vice versa. But the one or two teams they've been beating up in that division has been the Angels in Texas. Well, yeah, that's what happens when you have weak teams. I mean, again, the Angels can hit. 
but they've also, I believe, given up the third most runs in the American League. Uh, looking at the AL West briefly, Houston is the only team I have any faith in, but Oakland, four and a half back, Seattle, five and a half back, one bad series from Houston, one good series from Oakland and Seattle, and that becomes a race. Well, and not only that, if if you gotta beat those teams you're supposed to beat, then you gotta do something with the teams that that you're you're on a par with that prepares you for the playoffs. And if you can't do anything like that, case in point, we're seeing the Dodgers as we broke this thing down in, in, in uh pre-chat, you know, the Dodgers are like forty eight and fourteen against teams under five hundred. When they get teams over five hundred, they're they're right on the, the Mendoza line. And that's kind of scary as you get in the playoffs because if you're if you're at the Mendoza line with 500 teams or better, you're not playing, you know, bottom feeders in the playoffs. So you got to be prepared to take these teams out or, you know, do some damage against them. Definitely. And the series they're playing with the Padres, I believe, right now, um, definitely an important one for both those teams. Padres trying to get back into an actual wild card spot while the Dodgers trying to prove they can actually beat the Padres. But let's move things over to the NL while we're doing this. Uh, NL West, Dodgers, Giants going to battle it out. Probably going to come down to who stays healthier, whose pitching staff holds up. For me, the Dodgers are going to take it. What say you? I have a feeling you're going to tell me it's the Giants. Well, the Giants have 10 more games with the uh, Padres, they're on a, an East Coast trip. They'll get out of uh, New York where they've kind of beat the Mets. They, they should have beat them like they beat the Mets and Dodgers who were played where the Dodgers beat them six out of seven. The Mets now have, have beaten the uh, Giants three out of four with two more to go. So, and then the Giants head down to Atlanta where it should be interesting. But, you know, the Dodgers will go back home and play Colorado. Well, the Padres go to Anaheim for a couple, but. Here's the real deal here. The Padres have beat the Dodgers 7 out of 11. The Giants and Dodgers only have three more games, as crazy as this may seem, in a division. And they'll finish that next weekend. So, uh, And they've, they've split 16 games. So after that, if the Dodgers are not in within striking distance, or they are in striking distance a couple games, they still need help for people to beat the Giants. Otherwise, they won't win the division. So... The Giants, you know, got their work cut out for them. The Dodgers still got to go to Cincinnati and St. Louis. So this is going to get interesting down the stretch. Yeah, and speaking of Cincinnati and St. Louis, that NL wild card is very interesting. The Dodgers or Giants, one of them will win the division. One of them will get one of those spots. But then it looks like you've got the Padres, of course, who will be in it. One game behind the Reds right now, but the Reds sticking around and the Cardinals still have an outside chance themselves if they can beat the teams they need to beat, but also, more importantly for them, their offense really needs to wake up. It has been dormant for most of the season, losing a really tough game yesterday to a team like the Tigers, who, the Tigers aren't bad. I'm not trying to say that they're a bad team. They're not, but they're a team that if you want to make the playoffs, you need to beat in August. Now, they've lost three of their last four. Pittsburgh went in there after getting swept in Los Angeles, took two out of three in St. Louis, and yeah, you're exactly right. And, you know, the Redbirds now after this Tiger uh, series in St. Louis will head to Pittsburgh for four. And if you're they not need to win all four of them. Against, yeah, you, <laughs> they you, can't you, afford you really to lose series or split series. No, you're exactly right. And as far as the Padres are concerned, 
you know, you can't, you know, play the Mendoza line uh, with the uh, Arizonas and the Colorados. They struggle with those teams. You know, before that, it was the Marlins, and, and that's why the Reds have caught up and the Cardinals are within striking distance. But I still think if you're a Dodger fan, you don't want no part of San Diego in a one-game playoff. I don't care if it's in Dodger Stadium or not. They have the swagger to compete. You want Cincinnati because Cincinnati has the bats. They just don't have the pitching. And who knows what you'll get with St. Louis. Well, Cincinnati has the starting pitching. They don't have the bullpen pitching. In a one-game playoff, though, you might see three of those starters. So who knows with that? But we need to talk about the NL East here as well. And for me, despite the tough series with the Yankees they just had, um, Braves are the best team in this division. I know you like the Phillies a bit. I just don't trust the back end of their rotation. Certainly don't trust their bullpen. Braves have been one of the best teams in baseball over the past couple of weeks, certainly since the trade deadline when they added to that lineup. I think they get into the playoffs no problem via the NL East. The problem is how will they play once they get there? They're possibly, very possibly, going to have to take on the Brewers in a division series. And that's a team that they would not match up well against. That elite pitching staff for the Milwaukee Brewers, the Braves would be in tough. Not to say they can't win, because anything can happen once you get in. Obviously, their focus right now has to be this division. I'm just not sure the Mets or Phillies have enough to push them. Well, the problem is, is they've been beating up on the Mets, who are floundering around like a, a fish out of water. You got the Marlins, uh, you know, the, the Nationals have been a garage sale of late. But here's the real key when you circle those last 35 games. The Braves got to come out to the West Coast on five different occasions, pretty much. They still got to come to Colorado, Arizona. Still takes a lot out of you traveling across the country, like we alluded to earlier. You got to go to San Diego. You got to go to L.A. here uh, at the end of the month. Um, so, uh, and then you got to come out to San Francisco. So this is going to be interesting to see what Atlanta does. They also close three games in Philadelphia. So that is going to be, uh, something to see, uh, if, if the Phillies can beat them in their backyard, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be interesting if I'm the Phillies and the Mets, I better stay within two, three games here and hoping I can pick up something while the Braves are out West. Yeah, I mean, the Padres, Giants, and Dodgers will not be easy, but I think the Braves are good enough to, let's say it's nine games, go four and five, five and four, not great, but probably won't kill them in the division race with a four and a half and five and a half game lead. And yeah, going west is hard, but I mean, if you want to make the playoffs, if you're as good as at least I think you are, you have to beat Colorado and you have to beat Arizona. These are two of the worst teams in baseball, certainly in the National League, and I mean, to me, I don't care where you're playing them. If you're as good as I believe you are and as good as others believe you are, you need to beat them. Good point, man. It really is. But uh, I'm looking at that travel thing. Who knows what you're going to get with, you know, bottom feeders that are out of it. They don't care. They'll play, you know, studs up from the minors, you know, and, you know, they'll be given 120% trying to, you know, do their damage, playing for spots next year. I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting. I wouldn't want these five teams in the last 35 games traveling around. I wish it was somewhere during the regular season, you know, in May and June, but now to do it in, you know, late August and September, man, that takes a lot out of you. It does. It does. 
I, uh, I'm thinking about it though, like you're not wrong in the sense of you'd rather do it earlier, but earlier they weren't playing well, the Braves. They really struggled yeah. for a long time. So, I mean, if they're going to have to have this part of their schedule, I'd much rather, if I'm a Braves fan or the Braves as an organization, to have it when we're actually playing well. Exactly. So you know, that, in that sense, in- they lucked out. Yeah, and I and I know we could talk about this in baseball. What's wrong with baseball, and how can we change it? I think you need a commissioner, and we could blow into this next week as well. That you know, instead of extracting from the game, he gets in the trenches and tries to understand the game. We can also talk about what's going on with youth baseball. Maybe we can have teams trading draft picks. Let's get some geographic change in the game and stuff. And if we if we get rid of the umpires, maybe it's time to get the robo lumps. Just little things, man, to spice up the show. You know what? Teams teams being able to trade draft picks would be very interesting. You see it in the <laughs> NBA. You see it in the NHL. You see it in the NFL. It's the one sport, Major League Baseball, that does not have that. And I do find it um, – it could be very interesting. It could certainly – change the way the trades are made you could see a lot more of these buyers and these sellers selling off legitimate talent for these draft picks and um, I really think it actually helps the buyer sorry the seller more than even the buyer I mean if you can stockpile a number of draft picks in any given season it's going to help you build your team up a lot faster than getting that one or two top picks every year Instead of you oh, might be able to get four or five of them. What you broke it down. All right, man. Well, I guess that'll wrap things up for this week. Intentional Balk brought to you by DrRoto.com. You can find premium access to the staff in the members-only Discord area. Subscribe now. You can use promo code RADIO or WIN. That's RADIO or WIN for a nice discount. MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, PGA, eSports, DFS, sports betting, fantasy sports, Elite tools, elite staff. We have everything at drrodo.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Lou Landers. The madman, Mark Mancini, was with me. Have a great week, everybody. We'll catch you next time.